0: Welcome back to a brand new episode of In-Depth with Beth and Seth. Hello, friends. We are back after more weeks than we can remember in terms of a hiatus. And so if you're listening to this podcast, we are so grateful that you are and that, that you've sort of stayed with us even in this absence. And we are looking forward to getting back on track with weekly conversations about the sermons heard At Plymouth Congregational Church. My name is Beth Hoffman Faith and I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth Congregational Church and I am joined by my beloved colleague Seth Patterson. Hi Seth.
1: Hello. What have we missed? It's been so long so all right let's see if we can do this. Blessed Advent everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year um happy mlk day happy lunar new year and welcome to black history month
0: oh and don't forget epiphany because it's my favorite church season and
1: happy epiphany
0: there we go there
1: There we're caught up
0: we are caught up yes we had to take an extended break because things happen seth
1: they did in our lives especially to you in your especially (laughs) in your world but also in mine we've both lost dogs and we've both Come through a bout of breakthrough COVID.
0: Indeed, I often say that my life can sometimes play like a bad country song, and I would say December and January uh, lived into that understanding. Yes, difficult times for both of us as we said goodbye to beloved pets um, mm-hmm. who are family members, and yes, and then struggling with this pandemic COVID making its way into our households.
1: Yes, and- we both we both have children in schools and places where that thing is was propagating, building, and they, and they brought it home to us.
0: And as everyone knows, the COVID uh, does its thing differently in everybody. So some of us get quite ill like myself and my youngest daughter and And others of us us don't
1: have a a minor cold that we would have ignored at any other point in our lives because of a little pink line on a test. I stayed home for 11 days.
0: Yes, indeed. There was a lot of quarantining. I was in quarantine for a full month, Seth. (laughs) And, um, and and
1: yet how many days of work did you take
0: off? Mm -hmm. Uh, Not many, not, not many at all. In fact, yeah, I worked pretty much through the whole, time, a couple of days, I was just too sick to even uh, answer calls or read email.
1: My daughter's school was at home. I was working at home. Almost nothing was different other than I couldn't go to the store. That was the biggest loss or my wife's play she directed.
0: Oh, oh, that is sad. I didn't know about that piece. Mm. Mm. Yes, we are all learning about sacrifice and missed things. And just when we think things are getting better, sometimes they take a, a different turn. It does seem, however, that the COVID numbers in Minnesota are finally dropping and we've moved through yet another phase of this long, long pandemic in terms of the Omicron variant. So we look forward to being back in person at church on the 20th of February. We've yes. been virtual for six or more weeks and um, that, will, that will feel like a nice new beginning for for all of us, like a new year. I decided that really the new year began February 1st for me because January was kind of a wash.
1: You're kind of going with the lunar new year.
0: Yep, exactly. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. So happy new year, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Let's embrace something, something new and wonderful in 2022. It's just got to get better. It will. Well, Seth, you were our preacher yesterday, February 6th, 2022 at Plymouth Congregational Church and we are back for the month of february into our command to preach yes. series. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: This is a chance when the congregation gets to tell us what they want us to talk about and then we do it. And we we don't the way that we operate is we pull them out of a bowl, all the submissions, and we do whatever's pulled. We we can't say no, we can't we cannot put it back. It is ours and uh, so far, they've been wonderful. And what I one of the things I love about this is we get to learn what the congregation is thinking about, at least via these submissions, and wonderful questions come up. This week, I pulled a submission from Ann Seltz, who wanted somebody to talk about the Golden Rule, but really, she named specifically the part of it that often gets us uh, ignored, which is the love of self. She Mm. really wanted the focus to be on that side of things. I think part of it is she had brought this up to some other clergy person at some point, and they told her that it was narcissistic to ask the question. And I just so fundamentally disagree with that, that I was glad to be able to explore it.
0: Well, I'm glad you did, because I do think that uh, our lack of self-love just impedes a lot of uh, known joy in our lives and uh, healthy relationships it's just i think it it's sort of a fundamental tenet of life that many people never really achieve and so before we talk about your sermon cuz there's a lot of good things to to talk about there i do want to ask you a little bit about the statement that you made before your sermon so can you talk a little bit about about that
1: yes on last the wednesday before the sermon, Um, Minneapolis police in executing a no-knock warrant downtown Minneapolis, not far from Plymouth, shot and murdered a man who was sleeping, who was not the person they were looking for. And they shot him because he had a gun that he legally had a uh, permit to carry. There are a lot of factors in this that make it in my mind, unacceptable. But the simple part of it is this is yet again, another killing of a black man in this city by our police force that we pay to keep us safe and that this person paid to keep safe. And his name was Amir Locke. And the city is right now really uh, roiled in this again. And I needed to say something, but it didn't fit into the sermon. And the sermon was already partially Written by the time I knew I needed to say something. And as I said in the statement, silence by people who look like me and from places like pulpits in churches has perpetuated some of these things throughout the centuries. Um, silence is what makes it seem like it might be okay. And I could not be silent.
0: Well, I have to say, I got to hear your sermon twice yesterday and read it again. And that statement to me was very meaningful. I'm grateful that you did it. And you and I had some conversation before Sunday about you know, your thoughts about how that would be woven in. And I think that you made the right decision uh, about where to place that statement. The moment of silence was also very powerful before you shifted into your sermon, which I think we could make some connections to the sermon and the statement, but it, it reminded me again of the complexity for the preacher when world events happen that are very different or just don't fit into uh, the message that one has already created and and what we do with that and I think you handled that really well, and I know that it made you pause as yes. you considered how to do it or how to re- if you were going to reframe your message or set it apart from your message.
1: There have been times in the past, and we've talked about this a little bit, where you scrap what you were going to say and start over. I felt as if what I was preaching on was connected enough to it that it still could be meaningful. And I wanted to honor our commitment in the Command to Preach series. It, it, to have something come from the lectionary or some other place and then say, it doesn't fit this week, is a different decision then, than to stop a submission that, that we agreed to do. But yeah, there was a moment where I thought, do I need to start over? Do, mm. I, do I need to find another way into this? So I was glad that it was meaningful. However, I did it. There's also a part for me, and I said this a little bit in the statement, and, and it sounds sort of selfish, but I, I do want us people, those of us who live in Minneapolis to kind of consider this. I don't have roots here and I'm ch- I've chosen this place as my home. What does it mean when w- the essential character of it continues to be questioned, brought into question? And for those of you who are listening, and this is your home and your roots, what does it mean for you to hear that the essential character of the city is continually being brought into question by events like this? And that's the thing that I personally am wrestling with a lot is like, what does it mean for me to be choosing to be part of this community right now in what's happening?
0: Sounds like that might be fodder for another sermon, Seth. (laughs) It might be. (laughs) Really good questions to ponder. Let's talk a little bit about your sermon uh, yesterday called The Golden Conspiracy. Great title, by the way. You opened the sermon by reading not only scripture or Christian scripture, but you read sacred texts from a variety of faith traditions. Can you talk a little bit about that choice and why you did that?
1: When I was working at the University of Chicago, and I was a chaplain in the spiritual life office on the wall, because it was a multi-faith spiritual life office, and, and there was a Christian chaplain and a Muslim chaplain and a Hindu chaplain, chaplains of every faith that were connected to a very large poster on the wall was of the what we call the golden rule in a couple dozen different faith traditions and how how it's phrased. And it's not always exactly the same. It's fairly similar. In Jewish, Christian, and Muslim texts, but the three of them are related more closely. But I, I always really I liked looking at that poster because it reminded me of of this universality of something. It's important to look at the differences in religions, but it's also important to remember that there are places of deep connection. So I read the scripture from the three Abrahamic traditions as well as Hinduism and Buddhism. But I could have continued on with another dozen, two dozen. Everything from the UN, it's part of a UN Charter on Human Rights, Mm. to the Satanic Temple, which if you haven't looked at the tenets of the Satanic Temple, they are surprisingly and wonderfully reasonable. And you look at them and you're like, oh. Well, I, I can kind of get behind all this. It's mm. an interesting, uh, I'm not sure I'm suggesting people go to the Satanic Temple website, but I am kind of curious for people to look at the tenets and see what they think. But it's widespread and it seems to be a central ethic in our world culture, right? Because mm. it comes from all cultures and then is embraced globally. This idea that what, however you love yourself, love the other. Whatever you want done to you, do to the other. And there's almost nothing else like that.
0: And so this... Universal commandment, for lack of a better label. What does that mean for us as humans?
1: The way I named it was almost in the negative, in that if this is so universal and it comes from all cultures in all parts of the world, and it's short and simple and pithy, why are we doing it? If something is this universal and found from so many sacred sources, then why is it something we're not doing more of? Why are the results of it not more universal?
0: Yes, I think that's what you were trying to address in your sermon, actually. Why aren't we doing this? Christians since the beginning of time or the beginning of Christianity have named that this is really hard, <laughs> but we've
1: Yet kind simple. of
0: stop there. You know, yep. yeah, it's hard. Okay, well, why, why is it hard? Where's the core of the significant difficulty? Is it in loving neighbor or is it in loving self?
1: Yeah. And we often, I think, put it on our inability to love the other, but Mm -hmm. the way that Anne phrased it for me and something that I had thought about for a while and just didn't have the opportunity to explore it. The right reason never showed up was that I think it's based on an assumption that we love ourselves because if the assumption is right and we do love ourselves, well, then the problem is on how we love the others. But I suspect, and Anne named it really well, it might be more rooted in that we don't know how to love ourselves, so how on earth could we ever love the other? If we don't recognize our full being, how are we going to recognize the full being of other people? If we can't love the parts of us that we find difficult, then how on earth are we ever going to get past whether I like or dislike another person and truly love them?
0: Right. And Anne gave you this tangible example from her own life in that she was told over and over again as a child that she was a sinner. And she equated that with being unlovable, which makes a lot of sense to me. If that's the message that you're given, why would you not be filled with self-loathing rather than self-love? And at the same time, this commandment to love neighbor, well, she would get punished or scolded if she actually did play with her neighbors. if Her literal
1: neighbors. Her
0: literal <laughs> neighbors, because they weren't members of her church. So, oh, the mixed messages that we, we give all the time in the name of Jesus.
1: Right. Who's <laughs> the one who, who reminds us of this commandment in such a, a lovely way? And we live in a culture, especially our American modern capitalist culture, I think, that is so focused on marketing and you can buy your way out of unhappiness that it, it really puts the onus of if you're unhappy, it's because there's something wrong with you. If you're not lovable, it's because there's something wrong with you. And it puts all of it back on. There's like a way to earn love or a way to earn lovability and worth. We commoditize our own selves. How much is Jeff Bezos worth? Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's worth the same as me. He has more money, but he's worth in the eyes of all that matters. He's worth the same as me.
0: Well, so is this a chicken and an egg question? Like, do we love ourselves once we know how to love our neighbor? Or is it out of loving ourselves that we know how to love our neighbor?
1: My sense is that it's a practice that works in tandem, that there's that reciprocal, there's a cycle to it. The adage that all you're able to really change is yourself. I can't change other people. I can change my reaction to other people. But what I can change and where I can start is with me. Hmm. Where do I fall down in loving myself? What parts of me don't I want to acknowledge and have have trouble loving? Because if I can do that self-work, then I more ably can love others. And I use this without naming it, but the purposes of Plymouth Church are to, to do the work within, among, and beyond. Hmm. And so if I can do the work within me, then I'm more ably to do it among us and beyond our walls, which then will refeed the parts of me to do more work.
0: Wow. Good food for thought there. And while you didn't tell us how we go about loving ourselves exactly, you nope. did kind of point us in directions. You know, I'm always going to come back to that How, Seth, you did sort of end with this idea of this conspiracy, which is I assume how your title uh, became its title. Yes. And I just, I know we're running close on time here, but I don't want to leave until you address this a little bit more because I thought this idea was fascinating and would have loved to have heard just a little bit more in your sermon. How do we conspire together to both love self and neighbor?
1: And this is one of those places when you're putting together a sermon, some things have to just, they can't
0: mm-hmm. due to time
1: oh. cannot be, as you know, be fully expanded. And this idea of conspiracy come. There was a book that I pulled some things from by Richard War, Falling Upward. And in it, he, without going into it much, he just mentions the word conspiracy in parentheses puts, which literally means to breathe together. And I was so taken by that. What is the binding of us doing this? It, It could be that we are each doing our own work together so that we can practice with each other. If I might be more willing to do the hard work of seeing my own shadow self and loving it, if I know you are doing it also and then we work on how do we love each other and support each other and then together we can love and support those that are beyond also that is my hope is that to breathe together to sit in it together is not to do the work for each other but to do our own work knowing we're not alone and then practice with each
0: other so what i hear in that is a return to to my mantra it's all about relationship uh-huh. and the power and significance Of spiritual community, because that's what you're addressing in in this conspiracy is that we do the work together in community with one another.
1: When I think that's the entire purpose of this whole thing, and all our sermons are, are different ways of trying to explain why it should happen. (laughs)
0: Well, on that note, <laughs> thanks, Seth, for preaching a sermon worth talking about. I think there's a lot of like I said earlier, food for thought here, and uh would love to have more conversation around love of self, love of God, and love of neighbor uh, and how how that becomes real in our spiritual community that we name as plymouth
1: and join the conspiracy
0: join the conspiracy ooh, that mm, sounds right yes. That sounds enticing. (laughs) Thanks everyone for joining us. And we will be back again as soon as next week. With another episode. We're going to do this now, Seth, moving forward. We're in it. All right. I'm glad for it. And I'm grateful for all of you. Be well. Happy New Year. Happy Epiphany. We'll see you next time.